time to tune up the band and grab that mic from the pole because it's another sweet chin wag. I am Sam, joined as ever by Reardon and Dan. Hello there, gentlemen. Hey, yo. It's finally cool now. It's finally <laughs> yeah. cool. We're not dying from heat. I could actually have the windows shut for once. Oh <laughs> I don't God. have heat exhaustion. <laughs> I am covered in heat rash. Oh, for the oh. first time in years, I am just absolutely covered. It is horrible, but yeah. I'm fine. Where's your sav, Lorna? Where's your, your sav, Lorna? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking outside and it's raining, and I've never been so thankful to have rain in my entire life. Fun fact: the other day when it rained, I ran out and stood in it as I was Tim Robbins from the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> oh. That, no, that's the way. My neighbor, my neighbor, my neighbor saw me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so <laughs> we are giving you this podcast free of charge as ever, thanks to those wonderful people at SoundCloud. Pending everybody else, of course. Pending trademark merch coming soon. <laughs> www.prowrestlingtees.com forward slash retainwag. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But before we get on to this week's episode, which is best worst gimmick matches, it is time to mosey mosey on over to Dan for this week's wrestling news. Wrestling news. Smooth as ever. I know. Uh, just before we get into the weekly review, uh, I just like would like to give a quick update to the developments of the speaking out movement in Britress uh, right now. Uh, for those that don't know, in the UK we have a thing called an APBG. Uh, it's pretty much just like a, a group of people from an industry that come together and talk about uh, policy and laws regarding their kind of areas. Uh, Anyway, one had been set up for wrestling in the wake of the Speaking Out movement. Uh, And one of the really big developments we've had is that meetings are taking place to discuss the legal codified uh, conditions for people going into positions of working in wrestling from a child safety standpoint, but also a safeguarding standpoint for the people working with them, uh, including criminal background checking, uh, for all staff, including people who are working in, you know, uh, working with the ring setup or other backstage parts and not just the wrestlers, but also more importantly, the trainers uh, in their position of authority. They're also meeting uh, soon to discuss the return of live shows with fans uh, to the UK, which will also impact things such as NXT UK but also smaller promotions across the board as well. So really important developments, and we will be following it uh, and keeping abreast of everything that's happening because this is a really big development that we do need over here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, long overdue, I think, is the word, that's, isn't I'm it? Shocked, yes. I'm shocked that it hasn't. That it's taken the year of our law 2020 for it to happen. <laughs> you know, it just seems weird that you'd have a person who's a trainer and they wouldn't have safety checking. Mm. but that's the position that we're in and now we've come through it we're hopefully coming towards the other side uh, and hopefully getting to a safer place for fans uh, prospective wrestlers um, and everyone else who is attending shows and I think that's really the biggest bit out of this 
Now with that, uh, we'll now go into the weekly review. We're starting with Raw, and honestly, the big feature of Raw this week was Raw Underground. I'm happy to see it back again and not just dissolved into the ether. <laughs> um, I mean, we're only on. We're only on. I guess what we'll say is actually week one of its of its existence. Um, but we had the person we all expected to be there, Shayna Baszler. I mean, it's basically the perfect fit for her in the context. Yes, yeah. I, I was half expecting her to fight Dabakato, but uh, I not... know I was I was expecting it as well. They didn't they didn't pull the trigger. We're not getting that Kumite style fight just yet, then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, Shayna Baszler looked great. I mean, this basically just fits her to a T. <laughs> like that is des- it's designed for her. I'd argue the only person, like the few people that would fit better, would be like Timothy Thatcher or like Drew Gulak. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Funny enough, uh, oh god, yeah, no, um, no, 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 go ahead. Funny enough, I was um, recently just seeing the demos, people having early access to UFC four, and there's a, a there's a backyard stage in there now where you yep. can actually have backyard fights, and then I realised something. It's like has Shane McMahon been with the development team at EA uh, Vancouver. Uh, because it makes me really oh my god no no he's been watching he's been re-watching Kimbo Slice videos god rest his soul <laughs> so he's yes been, it's not been Bloodsport all along it's just been backyard fight videos on YouTube oh my god that makes too much sense actually I mean, the only thing we can take out of this is that clearly Shane McMahon's stolen the idea from someone because about 50 different people have come through about 50 different sources of inspiration from this thing. <laughs> uh, but this is his dream, but, um, isn't it? The dream of his online-only Well, because he said that he wanted... They said that he tried to buy UFC. This was back in... Yeah. I, I like, the actually, 2000s? I want to say it was either early 2000 or 2009. That they tried to that Shane uh, proposed the idea, and it was just shot down because Vince just apparently just didn't like shoot fighting. Wow, that was a miscalculation. Holy hell! <laughs> Holy twenty twenty called. <laughs> yeah, that is like wow. Like I don't know what I expected, but <laughs> holy hell! <laughs> but hey, we also had the debut. In Raw Underground, the oppressive force, the absolute enforcer, Riddick Moss. Oh, crumbs. <laughs> That's, oh. you want legitimacy? Riddick Moss. <laughs> the guy who's been on, like, main event and, like, insisted on defending the 24-7 title in matches. <sighs> At least we have going, 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 going from that, though, we then had Arturo Ruas. Yes. Fucking sick. It makes me... I mean, again, it fits his entire remit. <laughs> and it makes me wonder why the heck they never actually gave him a debut in NXT, despite the fact that they had hype packages for him. <laughs> clearly, clearly someone someone knew something that's like, no, it's okay, Raw's going to come along and have an underground fight club and we'll put him in it. <laughs> someone definitely had a prophecy for that man. <laughs> like... There was a there was a plan in place. We also had Dabakato as well. Seems like the kind of superpower enforcer that cannot lose in it. But we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and, this... and at all, and at all, what the hell it even means for any of the people on it? Because other than Shayna Baszler, like the rest of them have never. I don't think they've ever actually properly featured in 
main roster TV. Dabakato was initially Baba Tunde and was the uh, big ninja. Oh, crumb Jerry was. Right, here's the thing I, I want to say right now, because it still does annoy me quite a bit, right? They've had Dio Madden for how long now? Like a few years? And it ticks me off that now the biggest TV thing he's got since being a Raw commentator is being in Raw Underground. Guys, does no one in WWE realise he's actually a really fast, swift, big man wrestler? And they have no idea what to do with a swift, big man wrestler? It confuses me. How Just wait till we get to SmackDown. Mm, don't. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we had okay. Aside outside of Raw Underground, we had the return of Mickey James to Raw TV. Uh, I we don't know what she's there to do because she got cut off by Natalia and Lana, um, but she's there. I yeah. am glad for it. I always like me some Mickey James. Hell yeah! Mm. Uh, we had uh, Bianca Belair beating Zelina Vega in that very confusing storyline. Happy to see Zelina Vega in the ring. Great mm. showing for both of them. Uh, Bianca Belair is fantastic. If this is the start of her push uh, and the start of her getting a kind of storyline focused around her, all for it. Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get some sweet mixed tag action. Ooh, oh, don't don't tease all, me like that, Dan. I'm all I'm all I, all I'm I'm just saying what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> Zelina and Andrade versus. Bianca and uh, Angelo Dawkins. Oh yes, because Montez Ford is still poisoned. <laughs> and then Montez Ford versus Angel Garza. <laughs> uh, we had a we had the match between uh, Peyton Royce and Liv Morgan, which was a thing. It existed. Mm. Um, it was weird that they've done the whole thing about trying to get the right squad back together and then have. Ruby Wright be the reason uh, Liv Morgan lost, but maybe there's something in mind here. I don't know what, but there's clearly some kind of intention to it. It definitely wasn't like a... It definitely didn't seem like a mistake. Mm. <laughs> so, who knows? <laughs> um... We had Kevin Owens versus Randy Orton. As far as we know, Kevin Owens literally just got inserted here because he was meant to be involved in the Dominic one, but they consider him surplus. <clears throat> again, again, don't uh... really know what he's doing here, but he was there. Um, it was basically just a bunch of finisher teasers until Randy Orton came along and hit the RKO. Mm. <laughs> but, hey... Yeah. I mean, and then again, coming off the coming off the back of this, uh, now after Randy Orton, I'm throwing air quotes up here, punted Ric Flair. We now have the knowledge that Shawn Michaels will be returning next week on Raw. He thinks he's cute. He knows he's <laughs> sexy. So, no idea what's going to happen there at all. Um. But I mean, I'm I'm invested in this whole Randy Orton storyline. Mm. You know, he he's do he's doing great work. Although I think they're giving him a pretty solid basis to work off because you just keep beating up legends and people are like, yeah, that's that's heel. I mean, you, you could almost say that he is a legend killer 
Ha ha ha, get it? Get it? <laughs> Wait, who, who turned the clock back on? Why is it 2004 again? Randy Orton's going to start doing the overdrive again. <laughs> no! <laughs> Johnny's favourite move. Um... Uh, moving on from the overdrive, though, uh, we now have... Uh, I mean, we pretty much have it set in stone now. It is Dominic versus Seth at SummerSlam. Dominic looks like he got beat within an inch of his skin. Oh, man, that beating. Where they sadly uh, they tied him up to the ropes and then proceeded to just kendo him from the back and front. Oh, oh, oh. It was, it was intense, but I think it... I mean, I think with it, though, it kind of lends legitimacy to Dominic. Hmm. Or oh, I would argue well. it does. He cuts no, he, does. he cuts a great promo. He cut a very decent promo uh, with Seth and the contract signing. Uh, See, people people will say WWE don't do long term storytelling, but initially we had the custody of Dominic match at SummerSlam, and now he's competing at SummerSlam. That the cus- a, that the custody some... of uh, Rey Mysterio's eye. Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is some disturbingly long term. This is this is the long term storytelling. This is this is basically the wrestling version of boyhood. I swear to God, it's, it's they... like it's like it's like the joke we made last week about um, Shane McMahon's building a fight building a fight club just so that he can have someone get revenge on him for Steve Blackman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Honestly, right? It would come full circle if on that SummerSlam, like Dominic. Oh no! Seth just shouts out in the background, "Where the fuck is Becky? Where the <laughs> fuck is Becky?" <laughs> like, oh my god, it's gonna go, it's gonna go crazy. But I will say, what I am hope, I'm hoping for something that uh, possibly. Uh, I, I mean, some have been speculating this that the SummerSlam match between them will be like the debut of you know in-ring competitive returns for some people mm. but remains to be seen how that how that will line out people a lot of people expect getting Alistair Black or mm. maybe some instance where Seth Rollins pisses off Joe and then Joe like comes off the commentary desk and beats the crap out of him we can only dream we can only dream uh but moving on from Raw we then get to NXT uh, the Carrion Cross Keith Lee feud going even further. Apparently, Carrion Cross can just set fireballs off. Uh, it's, you know what? It's great to see a fireball gimmick in the year of our Lord 2020, especially a, a unique one. Instead of throwing it at the person, you put it in the contract uh, folder. Yeah, well, he oh did my. what he did. What Hogan couldn't. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Not singe his eyebrows off. <laughs> yeah, not set himself on fire. <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad you brought that reference up to Halloween Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> but no, great, and I, I, Keith Selling is so was so old school as well. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I mean, I think it's good if you're gonna if you know you're doing hokey shit, just lean into it. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Especially um, as well when you saw the WWE.com exclusive video of him just yeah. kind of like shoving people out. He didn't want to go in the hospital. He just wants Cross. He just wants Cross. And he gets blindfolded and put in the ambulance and then drives off. That's that's how you sell it. Was just, it was just so 
weird, but I, I kind of love it. <laughs> Talking of weird, but I kind of love it, we had more build on the Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee match at TakeOver Xander Cage. I, I, I swear to God, this is one of the matches I'm genuinely looking forward to at TakeOver. Well, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not necessarily excited for it. I'm just interested in what's going to happen. Mm, especially <laughs> like at this point I just want I just want to know. <laughs> the impassioned promo so Cole had as well was insane. How like full of piss and vinegar Cole was. Like it like that's literally it. I just want to know what's going to happen. I, I don't even really like I'm not even like super crazy about it. I'm just like I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> Take over Xander Cage. It will be Adam Cole versus Pat yep. McAfee in a, in a football helmet on a pole match. <laughs> Someone say San Francisco 49ers match. Oh God. Uh, we had the we had a bit of build for what looks to be a feud between Isaiah Scott and Santos Escobar. All for that. I love Isaiah Scott. Yeah. Um, if they're going to build him to be the next NXT Cruiserweight champ, even if it's transitional, I think it'll be fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, I've definitely always, deserves the place. I've always gone um, to bat for for Isaiah Scott, so it'll be great to see that. You know, fantastic to see that. Uh, we had another win for Bronson Reed. They're really giving him that push. Mm. Uh, fantastic to see again. Not really someone I would ever really have tipped to be a bit of a future star for NXT, but they definitely seem to have the confidence in him. Yes, um, and I think I think his showings in ring um, merit that. Hmm. No, absolutely. But uh, we then had uh, a little bit to build Finn Balor, uh, Rich Holland as well, uh, mm. going into filling the spaces for the ladder match. Um, I'm all for it. Again, I'm very firmly behind Rich Holland and taking him as our, as our boy from the UK. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, was nice for him to allude to the fact that he did play rugby <laughs> Mm. And keep keep that little bit of identity to him, but again, all for it. So excited to see what comes. Uh, it looks to be like we might be getting Rhea Ripley and Shotzi Blackheart against the Robert Stone brand in some kind of match. I will say it is weird they tried to sell Rhea Ripley and Shotzi Blackheart as an unlikely couple. Because I'll be honest, I think if I looked at the two, I'd go, yeah, those two could probably go together. No, oh, absolutely. They're, I would have thought they would be like peanut butter and jam. Like I, I, I'm confused as to why they were like, oh, the surprising unlucky pair of Rhea and Shotzi. I look at them, I'm like, no, that's they're not pair. unlikely at all. I'm, I, I could perfectly see this. That's a near perfect tag team. Yeah, it's like, there. isn't they like, aren't they like the two people who are probably going to be like the closest to each other? Yeah, but they think it's an unlikely pairing. Um, and hey, I'm all for it. And if we get some kind of like weird three, four person tag match, like working out, I'm trying to think of who else is, uh, would be an NXT pairing that would be on there. I don't know, like Rhea Ripley, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox, and Io Shirai versus the Robert Stone brand. I could see that. I'd be happy with that. As long as I get to see Rhea Ripley in a tank, that'd be funny as hell. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Rhea Ripley in the Shotzi tank. No, 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 no. Rhea Ripley eventually has to be in the power loader. Oh my <laughs> god. 
happened. Yes. I don't know why, but for some reason, when you were saying that, I, for some reason, the first thing I've heard, I was like, what's he going to say? And then my head just went forklift, and I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, not... Rhea Ripley comes out in a forklift. I mean, you're not that. incorrect. <laughs> because it basically I don't is. know why. Hmm? <laughs> uh, anyway, on to SmackDown. <laughs> very quickly. Uh, uh, I mean, just to start off with SmackDown, the uh, the Fiend, Alexa Bliss, Braun Strowman segments were fantastic as ever. I will say the the violin sound they have for the Fiend is kind of getting on my nerves now. <laughs> really? Um, but I appreciate why it's there. I understand it. But at the same time, it's almost like burrowing its way into my skull, which, to be fair, for a horror character, is probably a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I love that sound, I'm not gonna lie. Always have. <laughs> but, um... No, it was, it was fantastic work. Uh, Alexa Bliss dropped a slap that sounded like someone cracked a whip on Braun Strowman's face. Volta would be proud of that one. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even, even if... Even if Braun Strowman did come out looking like the big show. <laughs> but we move. Yes. <laughs> like. Well, it's the Strowman. No, it's the big Strow. <laughs> oh, God. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it was it was it was a it was a fant- it was a, like a really good segment, and if they if they keep going with this quality for the build, then it's going to be great, and then we can live in a world where Braun Strowman is no longer Universal Champion, <laughs> and the Universal Championship actually means something because it's it's been t- taken over by a, a, a literal monster. I know. Oh God. Uh. <laughs> Follow, following that, though, uh, my next favorite bit of the show was probably the uh, AJ Styles segment, uh, what we called the uh, the piss statistics. <laughs> it was PI, like the something inter- intercontinental statistics system. I can't remember what the P stood for. <laughs> I forgot, but it's just the fact but, that. But, like, I, I, like, I, was just like, I was just like, yeah, the piss statistics. Uh, AJ Styles talking about how uh, the ranking system works. I'll be honest, his ranking system makes more sense to me than AEW's. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're really not wrong. It was literally just a board that just said Intercontinental Champion, AJ Styles, and then no one else. <laughs> uh, but uh, the real fun of this was that we had AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and Joseph Parks. And now, Ridden, I'm going to enlighten you as to who Joseph Parks is. Please do. Joseph Parks is Abyss. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Joseph Parks is, is Abyss's non-Abyss character, where oh he basically plays a version of himself. Oh, oh my god. We had AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and Abyss in the ring together. It's 2006 <laughs> TNA all over again, and I loved I marked, I marked like crazy when I saw Joseph Park. Because I, I saw the guy standing there, and I looked at him, and I was like, I definitely know who that is, but I didn't know he was with WWE. It's like, in, it's like I thought he was there as like, you know, backstage stuff. Mm. And then I, I looked at him, and I was like, no, that's, I because I, 
for my own sins, I remember the Joseph Parks t- TNA slash Impact story. Mm. But I looked at him and I was like, there's no way that's him, though. Unbelievable. <laughs> that's it. It's like, those three in a WWE ring in big 2020. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gosh, he got his dream I, of absolving yeah. TNA, though. Vince finally got his dream of absolving all yeah. talent from TNA, including Jeff Jarrett. Like, I, all I can say is I just... I was pretty much just like you. I, I realised it and I was just marking out. <laughs> uh, we had the announcement of the Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville uh, hair versus hair match. I mean, they're getting a, they're getting a forefront. They're getting a space on the pay per view. Happy to see it. And honestly, seeing Sonya Deville lose and having her going bored, I think it might work for her character. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. It sounds weird, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm actually with you there. I think the I think it could work. Mm. I, 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 mm. I must say, um, if Mandy for some reason loses, her bold would look absolutely terrifying. Yes. Because, because Mandy Rose is one of the most built female wrestlers WWE has. So seeing her bold... Well, I think it, I think it's the the investment they've made around her being like the like the supermodel of the women's division. Mm. So if you have her go bored, I'm not saying it's like it kills the identity of it, but it's gonna look odd. Yeah. But hey, they're gonna go for that. And then again, we had Retribution return. This time, WWE put two security guards on the front door. That's gonna work, isn't it? <laughs> they threw the the. Hey, at least if they bring two cinder blocks this time, it makes sense. <laughs> For those that don't know, they did a segment where the retribution people broke in and they threw a cinder block through a glass door, and then for some reason they just threw a second cinder block through the already broken glass. You gotta make sure. <laughs> Let me just empty out this vacant space. <laughs> Double tap a glass uh, a glass window. That's all you have to do. Yeah. So the thing you said about uh, Dio Madden. <laughs> yeah, I. Allegedly, yeah. he was part of the crew that was uh, represented Retribution this week after they attacked a random bunch of wrestlers and referees in the back while Big E was facing John Morrison. I swear to God, this is gonna be aces and eights all over again, isn't it? Probably, <laughs> and then and it'll it'll be two weeks from now. I guarantee you, two weeks from now that they'll start putting permanent members of Retribution in. You yeah, heard are we gearing it. up? Are we gearing up for the return of Bubba Ray to WWE? Oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! What's that? The Briscoes? That's. <laughs> Oh man, that would be um, that would be something. <laughs> uh, other than that, though, other small bits we had uh, Grand Metalik picking up a win against um, Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, great showing by them. Great spot by uh, Kalisto on Cesaro. Yeah. I'm really happy that the that the uh, the lucha guys they have in there have been doing the spots with them using the plexiglass. Oh, heck oh, yeah. 
for for reference, he did a tornado DDT by running on the side of the plexiglass. I mean, oh, I'm so good. You gotta. I mean, you gotta be hyped. If you're gonna like, do I, this I'm, stuff. I'm happy. That, I'm happy that they're that like they they're leaning into it. Mm. Um, and then the only other bit was that we had it confirmed that it is going to be Oscar doing the double championship match. Shade, shades, echoes of Chris Jericho in the distance. <laughs> Undisputed women's champion, <laughs> and I am all for it. It was a it was a bit weird seeing Oscar. Shayna Baszler and Dana Brooke as the final three, but you know, to each their own. the story, the storytelling made the storytelling made it so. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and it did it did end up working pretty well. Uh, just some final uh, bits for the news. Just want to give a shout out to the uh, forthcoming movie that we've been made aware of. You can't kill David Arquette. Following David Arquette's uh, okay. journey on the Indies uh, and his road to redemption in wrestling after his uh, instances in. WCW, which he always maintained he was never actually wanted, <laughs> but um, him going for wrestling redemption joined on to that. Um, there's a sec- there's a part of the movie talking about his time working with Nick Gage and uh, death matches or working in a death match with him, and that we are going to be getting Nick Gage episode of Dark Side of the Ring, which we are all for <laughs> because if there's someone that deserves that, it's definitely him, especially from a guy with an eclectic life. As Nick Gage has had, yes, I'm looking like, forward to that one. All that, and then just the final one. Uh, as we know, it WWE is about to start moving production to the Amway Center, um, and as we know, that's probably going to be the permanent base of them for now, not the Performance Center. Uh, and it looks like that's where they're going to restart doing live broadcasts, uh, and it looks to be where they're going to be hosting SummerSlam from. Uh, I just um, one quick um, note of. Um some news that you missed off, Dan. We had a, um, a wrestling death. Indeed. Um, oh, yes. Um, is it, we had, the it was the first death in wrestling related to COVID, I believe, as well. Uh, possibly. Uh, God rest Kamala. Yeah, God rest Kamala. Uh, I was also uh, James Harris, wasn't it? Yes. I believe so. Sorry, yeah. yes, I did, I did forget that, actually. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, uh, a, a lot of the people will point him. He was a, an enduring figure throughout wrestling anyway. Um, they always kind of sold him as someone who, you know, in in an era where uh, kayfabe was so tightly defended that he was one of the people that took it even further. <laughs> <laughs> an incredibly insensitive gimmick. But apparently, an all-around probably one of the loveliest people in the back at that time. Very, very contextually insensitive, but <laughs> people kind of loved it. And remember, Kamala had an amazing match at Ring of Honor, so you can't fault the guy. Can't. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> so uh, is that With that? I think that is the news. Nice, nice. So I'm gonna swing it over and have a little diversion too. Sam's recommendation corner because with the recent announcement of WWE now hosting uh, WXW, Progress, ICW, and Evolve on the network starting, well, today as of this recording, actually, um, I recommend everyone to go check out every single match of Ilya Dragunov in WXW. 
and that is all I'll say because of these two. If you can, as, if you can as well, um, look at some uh, earlier Alistair Black matches in WXW as well. Yes, without question, without question. So it is now time for the main bulk of the episode. Best the main event. <laughs> the main event. Best and worst gimmick matches. So, gimmick matches, they're a dime a dozen. And let's be honest, they have been so intrinsic to wrestling since, well, it's days in the carnivals. Um, it, I know for a fact we're probably going to miss out a lot of gimmick matches over the years because we really can't go through every single gimmick match that's ever come into existence, including the yeah, very famous let's let's just let's just set this out from the start this is a rundown of the ones that are our favorites this is a personal opinion list this is not meant to be an objective list and this is just the ones that we like slash dislike we will not be mentioning every single one absolutely but like if you want to say something on twitter you can do so and just say what's your what's your favorite one what one did you not like that we said Go ahead, but this is by no means a definitive list. So basically, at us, but don't at us. (laughs) Yes. For certain, for certain, no. At us, but don't be angry at us. So I can definitely tell that this one's definitely going to be ones that aren't very much talked about, or ones that are not within the mainstream eyes. So I guess, I mean, because we could go on about cage matches, Hell in a Cell, Hardcore matches, TLC, the Elimination Chamber, but I feel that those are kind of so so exposed and now so such such commonplace within WWE and wrestling as a whole that it kind of doesn't well, yeah. really. I don't think we have really much to add to it, which is kind of like well, why I like I, why I we've gone say... for the offshoot gimmick matches. Well, yeah, I mean the the thing I will say is one thing that I am. Um... I really don't like the WWE's done, which has been turning certain gimmick matches into pay-per-views. Yes. Yeah. Because it, I really feel like it devalues them, because like the origin of Hell in a Cell was you hate this person so much you do not want them to escape. They are with you in there, and then you will hurt them. Yeah. But now it's just like, oh, we're in October, time for Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Same guy. Uh, uh, to be to be on. to be fair. WWE shot the hell in a cell in a foot with the Fiend Seth Rollins match, but we're not going to get into that. Yeah, um, I, 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 yeah. I what I really liked about um, Hell in a Hell in a Cell before it became a pay per view was that it was kind of like a blood contract. Like, well, because it because it, it was literally just like when, if you're going to Hell in a Cell, that means you've you know, like you've had a cage match. You've yeah. had an extreme rules match, but you are literally ready to like murder that person. Yeah, you basically have to. You basically have to like. Speak. One it's person like, like, leaves, and it's the person who's still able to stand up. Yeah, it's like um, it's almost like um, it was almost the Candyman of of gimmick yeah. matches. Don't don't speak on it unless you're dead serious and you want it to be there. <laughs> no, yeah, and it's kind of the same really... thing I had with like. We could mention, like, I'm a big fan of, like, you know, Attitude Era, early 2000s, hardcore title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, oh, just, yeah. and just, like, hardcore matches. But I feel like they kind of exist in their own space. I wouldn't really call them a gimmick anymore. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, hardcore yeah. matches are just hardcore matches. They're extreme rules matches. You know, they you kind of see them fights, every so often now. Hardcore, Street fight. Bar. They are all basically the same. <laughs> you know, yeah. they they've all kind of stopped being their own unique thing. Again, the cage match, but. I mean, the cage match is pretty, I would say, ubiquitous at this point. I do still love a cage match. Oh, yeah. who doesn't? But I, I, will, I, will I still think it exists in its own space. Yeah, I will say one, like, quick sidebar about cage matches. I always found it a little lame when they go through the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, having same. the door in it, I've always found a bit weird, but, like, because it's like you get to the door and then the ref opens it for you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, nah. That that cage needs to just drop down and you need to climb over it. I'm sorry. Yeah, because that was kind of the thing. It's like, you're in the cage with them and the only way you've got is you've got to escape by climbing the top of the cage. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there are definitely other ones in there. Like, um, you know, I had debated putting, like, just the ladder match on. Mm. Uh, mm. Just because of how it's how it's evolved and basically just become a mainstay of the industry, you know, everyone does ladder matches. Even the smallest indie promotions do ladder matches now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know there are there are other ones in there. Um, again, I've you know things like I don't know if anyone had Royal Rumble on their list. Like I was tempted, but I was like, no, we're gonna have a proper conversation. That the Royal Rumble deserves to have its own. Yeah. Oh, the Royal Rumble gets its own space. Yeah. Um, so, but needless, but needless to say, everyone on the podcast absolutely adores the Royal Rumble. We will speak. The on Royal it Rumble is like one of the. It's a ma- it's a match format. I feel like it shouldn't work, but like we all just like love it. Just, it's just the best. It's just the best. <laughs> it, it's just amazing. So we have got we have got into some, you know, these are what we might call like uh, deeper cuts in the in the in the back catalogue. Indeed. These are a, a little bit little bit alternative outside, you know, things that we have seen uh, and have really resonated with us, mm. or really haven't because they really suck. <laughs> I'm glad. Most I'm... of the time. Most of the time, and this is just my general thing, if a gimmick is too complicated, yeah, it's already failed. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. If oh, you oh. have to do too much, it doesn't work. Oh yeah. man, we're getting into that. We'll be getting into that with the worst ones. But before we, you know, before we talk about our favorite, uh, best and worst, Reardon, I'm going to throw it over to you for the Pokedex to give people a slight, a small description of what a gimmick match is. Okay, mm, gimmick match essentially for you, good for yeah, an explanation, good listener, is a match that generally doesn't end in a pinfall or submission. But of course, there are we there are submission matches where you can only win if you submit the opponent. But the the general consensus is that if you two wrestlers, they fight, pinfall, submission, or disqualification. <laughs> and the matches that we are going to be talking about today does not generally set that format. Or they have it, but they add a little nugget to it. <laughs> Indeed. So I was originally thinking of starting with worst, but I feel like we're going to have a lot more to talk about with worst gimmick matches. 
uh, for sure. So I'm going to start off. I've got mine. I've got mine to like flip flop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely going to start with uh, with with for me anyway. Well, if you want, if we want to flip flop, I'm more than happy to flip flop between bad, good, bad, good, bad uh, for everyone. So I'm going to start off with good. Um, and my first choice, I had two choices for uh, uh, best gimmick matches, and I wanted to start off with. Um, one that probably I think a lot of people might not like, but I genuinely like, it is the strap match and every variation of said strap match. So, uh, strap match, oh, leather strap match, I should say, dog collar, Texas ball rope matches. I love the brutality, I think's the, the word of it. It's kind of like it was the old yeah. school kind of way of settling a feud as like you, you both of you cannot escape because you're both now tied to each other. And you now will have to duke it out to find out who is the better man. Um, and I do love the general uh, variation of rules. It's like you've got to, uh, with like regular strap matches, you've got to hit both all four corner posts in succession um, to win. Or like with the Texas Bull rope match is very much the same, except now that you have a massive like cowbell and you can smack people over the head with it. Um, and the dog collar match was just is just pure violence is pure unadulterated violence and sometimes a lot of gore um thoughts on the strap match as a concept <clears throat> you two um it's on, it's on my i've never really dug it i'm sorry <laughs> we've already got um we've already got some um conflicting opinions here <laughs> no I that's always, not a problem yeah i've always i've always found them to be interesting in theory and they always have some cool moments i do love it when someone is strangled by the strap always have <laughs> always loved that that little spot but mm. as a rule i don't know i've always kind of felt it a bit too it's a, a tad too restrictive in my view <laughs> yeah um, i've always liked it i think i mean i think the thing for myself is like kind of see it as a bit of like a, a dying match type yeah i don't really feel like i see it that much but actually, in, in the context of, like, you know, if you're there and you want to settle a feud, it kind of feels like it would probably be better than, like, an extreme rules match. Because mm. you're literally just attached to the other person. You're like, well, one of us is going to be standing at the end of this. I feel like it's a very, it's the very southern wrestling grudge match. Whereas you have, like, yeah. up, the New York was kind of like the cage match. Then, which yeah. then turned into hell in the cell i get the feeling like um but the southern wrestling uh one was definitely the 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 strap match um if yeah, there's would... definitely something about it that i really do like and maybe it is because as you said it like especially in the older ones it kind of leans towards that like ultra violent tone and it's literally just it reminds it reminds me of um you know that scene in Spider-Man yes. where he's in the cave. Yeah. I got you for three minutes. <laughs> three minutes of playtime. Like that's that's just what it reminds me of because it's literally <laughs> like you can't go and like there, there's always some really cool spots like he says like where they're using the rope as a weapon. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember the the one it is. I mean this spot's probably been done in a load of matches, but you know like where they put one of them out of the ring and they stand on the other side of the corner post and they try and pull the other one into yes. it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Love that spot. That's great. <laughs> no, I, d I do as well. So if I was going to recommend, like, in that case, recommend a few matches, 
and I, I, I'm glad I brought up the Southern Wrestling style. So every, I would, I would recommend ma like a few matches, but a, one would be Brady Graham versus Dusty Rhodes back in the 80s in a, in a Texas Bull Rope match. Um, CM Punk versus Brent Albright in OVW in a strap match, which I think is the best, uh, the best example of how dramatic a and how um, not only brutal but technical a strap match can be and um jbl versus eddie guerrero in the bull rope match at the great american yeah, that Bash match the is WWE amazing title. that is a great <laughs> match um but yeah that, that one of my favorites and i think one that i i was going to bring up one of them actually that one was going to be tlc but then i realized that not a lot of people talk about strap matches anymore and i've always liked a good strap match so um yeah that was the one that I had with one of my favourites. Let us throw it over to Reardon for his first favourite match, gimmick match. Okay, so I will put it on record that um, when it comes to like regular gimmick matches, if you can call it that, I've always, <laughs> always adored a triple threat match. Always. I just... Every single thing about them, I've always loved. <laughs> I can make just... a regular match better, adding one more person in there. Yeah, basically. Just throw an extra person in there to just yeah. fuck stuff up. Because it's no, like, oh, yeah. someone's going to get the pin. They just run in and break it up. It, like, no matter what, no matter what, I always adore. It's such a simple spot. It happens a billion times. But just this extra complication of having this other person in this match and sometimes they might be on like the heel side sometimes they might be on the faces side although slightly rarer sometimes they might just be literally in it for itself there's conflicting loyalties there's alliances made and then broken i've just always always <laughs> always adored them but if i have to talk about a proper gimmick match I have to go for, because I am a late Attitude Era Rufus Aggression baby, I have to go for an I Quit match. Oh, oh yeah, <clears throat> I Quit match. I, I would amazing. just like to say, in relation to the triple threat match, uh, was it Unforgiven 2005 Ooh. that had the triple threat match as its main event? It had Jeff Hardy in it. I... You might be correct, but I'm not sure. I know what one you're I'm talking gonna, about, yeah. I'm going to check, because if you want... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, if you want a great example of a triple threat match, that isn't Triple H versus Shawn Michaels versus Stephen Richards. <laughs> the WrestleMania 20 main event. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Where Stephen and, Richards um, socked the world of a K-World Heavyweight Champion. Oh, and stood there next to his best friend, the Blue Meanie. Um... While you're looking, while you're looking. Yeah, I, while you're looking, keep going. Yeah, I quit matches. It's such a simple but perfect idea. You keep fighting until someone says, holding a microphone with, with a microphone to the entire crowd, I quit. Hmm. I think the greatest and most visceral example, and I and I and I'm, and I hope that this this odd springs to mind for everyone else, is the Rock versus Mankind 
at Royal Rumble yes. 1999. Uh, Absolutely. Where Dwayne was only supposed to hit uh, Mick over the head three times with a chair, but then proceeded to do it another, what was it, 20 times? I believe I believe the official count is that he hit him on the head 10 times. Yes, whilst he was Sorry, handcuffed. I, I just want to briefly interject. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Edge versus Triple H yes. uh, Armageddon 2008. Yes, that's the one. If yeah, you exactly. want to see how good a triple threat match can be, watch that match because it is incredible. But the I Quit match is a fantastic format and yeah. it's like, again, you want to sell something, you get them to shout, I quit. <laughs> also, yeah. I think John Cena, and I and you know not a lot of people probably think about this, but I think John Cena really excelled in I Quit matches. He had yeah, the one against uh, Batista, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, that's the famous one where it was the recording, wasn't it? Yes. But basically, the, the finish of the match, for those of you who don't know, is that he basically... John Cena had basically... Was it John Cena who won? Was it? Um, it might have been... Or was it... It might or have was been it Batista. Batista. Yeah, where basically... So, two win the match I think it was Batista yeah he played a recording of John Cena saying the words I quit but it was edited because what John Cena actually said is I quit is a thing I would never say so he just cut that out and then just played I quit and that's it yo Batista was on that fake news way way before any of us (laughs) Batista was galactic braining that shit. Which is such a <laughs> Which, to be fair, Batista and galactic brain are things I would never normally put together. Oh my god, it's such a, it's such a ridiculous finish, but I love it all the same. I think it's ridiculous, but at the same time, I kind of love it because if mm. you're a heel, would why wouldn't you do that? Exactly. Why did no one up until that point think you know what'd be great if I could get away? To have cover the po- my opponent's mouth, but then make it look as if he said I quit. Yeah, it's such, a, and it's just like it has all of the um the drama of a last man standing match, which is like my um honorable mention. But I like I quit just because it's like how like what is the circumstance? It's what so is- visceral. Yeah. And it's something, and it's a, and it's actually very rare now. Yeah, Nowadays, yeah, especially just like, like a strap match. It's that one is very rarely used. It's yeah. just been replaced by the extreme rules match at the pay per view. Yeah, but I honestly like you'd think of all the matches that would have a long shelf life. I quit matches would be, but it's not. Mm. Wrestlers out there that happen to come across this podcast, bring back the I quit match. Please do. Please. Please do. <laughs> Please. We're begging for a good I Quit match. Yeah. <laughs> I Quit match, strap match. And Dan's suggestion, Ring the it best gimmick match. Which is a great segue, Dan. <laughs> so, yeah, good, good, good it is. Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned at the start, um, I do love a good ladder match. Um, you know, growing up, kind of post-Attitude Era, uh, growing up with exposure to the Hardys, um, and the kind of the the new era of high flying wrestlers. Mm. Uh, my honorable mention for 
the best format was actually going to be the TLC match because I live in constant awe of the TLC match between uh, the Dudley Boys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian yes. at SummerSlam. I find it amazing <clears throat> that the moment a take, like, I find it really interesting that they did two table ladders and chairs matches, and those two first ones have stepped set the standard for all others to be. Literally, since they did those matches, people have been like, yeah, but was it the one at SummerSlam, though? No. Yeah. Like, they, like they, they, took that, they took that match format so far. I think the funny thing about it is that, like, I mean, A, that they had to get Edge and Christian to be known for using chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they did. And it's, they did because game. they invented the move now known as the concerto, which is fantastic naming, by the way. Oh yeah, that's such a great name. Um, but also, just the fact of you know that that's what they settled on, and somehow tables, ladders, and chairs feels more fitting. Because imagine if they made it like tables, ladders, and kendo sticks. Mm. Does it sound the same to you? I know we have the context of hindsight, but like it doesn't feel tables, ladders, and chairs just feels natural. T-L-K-S-T-L-K-S. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's just a absolute hell of, like, I mean, originally it was just a hell of, like, the Dudley boys putting people through tables, getting speared off a ladder. Jeff Hardy doing, like, a leapfrog over a ladder onto a ladder outside the ring and destroying his lower back. And all of that. But then I thought about the ladder match. And I thought about what's been expanded on. And I know I've spoken about my distaste of pay-per-views ruining the premise of a match format. And it has watered it down a bit. But I want to talk about the Money in the Bank match. Honestly, of all the gimmick matches to get its own pay-per-view, Money in the Bank is the one that I think is the most fitting. I have no problem with that being a pay-per-view. Because... The Money in the Bank match has something about it where it almost kind of feels like a second Royal Rumble. It's eight men. I mean, originally, eight men in a ring fighting to get a briefcase, which gives them a championship opportunity. Hmm. And I think the thing with this is that from the start, they realize what they could do with this. You know, it was part of how Kofi Kingston really started coming into his own. Um, you know, Evan Bourne. People will remember the uh, Shelton Benjamin oh. WrestleMania 25th anniversary one, the yeah. Money in the Bank match. One of the most ridiculous things I've seen. <laughs> yep. And I just love it so much because there's so much that they can do with it. I know people have said that like at times it becomes like, haha, look at look at the spot. But honestly, I think just so much of it just lends to that drama because mm-hmm. you're always thinking like, who's going to get the briefcase? You know, who's going to be that person that can cash it in? And I think ever since that first one, you know, with Edge getting the briefcase and cashing it in, Oh, it's yeah. kind of become its own thing now. It's like, oh my god, they have it. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I, what I love about uh, Money in the Bank is that it's almost like um, it is basically the WWE's Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like 
and and the great thing I, I love about it is that it is a basic coin flip as to whether a face or heel will have the money in the bank. Mm. You know, it's just it's just like there's like, there's just so much going on, but it just lends itself to so much you know so much storytelling. It lends itself mm. to so much you know good work from the people in the ring you know whether or not it is like the one you know whether it's like the things of Shelton Benjamin setting up a ladder into a ladder so you can run up it and take someone off it yeah just whether whether or not it is Kofi Kingston taking a broken ladder and converting it into a pair of stilts whether or not it is you know like Evan Bourne climbing up a ladder and doing a shooting star press off it. Yeah. You know, it, there's just so much that it lends itself to. And like you said, it, it, it's that thing of like, who's going to get that prize? You know, who's going to get, who's going to get the rocket, if you will. Mm. You know, you get that briefcase and then next thing you know, later on in, later on in the event, because I mean, don't forget originally money in the bank happened at WrestleMania. Yes, that's true. WrestleMania 21 was the debut. So, you know, before it was, you know, so you could see someone win it, and then later on in WrestleMania, the per they they puzzles won the match, and then all of a sudden they've come through and claimed it. Yeah, mm. you know, I I think one of the most enduring moments of the Money in the Bank pay per view 2011 was seeing Alberto Del Rio run down and then CM Punk run away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. And I, I think one of the and one of the great things about it, which I do miss, was that the idea of well, because like it's actually kind of um died the idea of there being a number one competitor. Like yeah, number someone, one contenders just whoever yeah, but, turns yeah. up in the ring is like yeah. I want that title. <laughs> yeah, the number one contender rather because the great thing about uh, Money in the Bank was that it didn't nullify number one contender. Yeah, yeah. So you basically any champion would get two number one contenders. It's just you could be on the show at any time, and then someone could just run down with a briefcase, give it to the ref, and be like, "Now, yeah, <laughs> ring the fucking bell." Just it. It is truly one of the greatest ideas. Yeah, I I just love it yeah. so much as a format as an idea, and I know it's probably like initially people were like oh this is dumb this will never catch on but now it's become one of the most enduring parts of wwe and now you know <clears throat> comp now companies the world over kind of have their own version of it yeah yeah uh, we had the feast or fired thing from tna where you'd have like a four-way uh, match to grab something feast off the or fired was it the casino royale yep ladder match for AEW where you win a big old poker chip <laughs> yeah you get a massive poker chip so it has a now, here's, where, here's where you here's where you're correct me do you reckon New Japan will ever have one or have they ever done one <laughs> now, the, now here's the thing the G1 Climax nowadays guarantees you a main event shot at the IWGP title alright let's go then <laughs> and the, uh, very recently well not very recently but the past few years you carry a briefcase with you with the contract. There we go. Seriously? I'm taking it. I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, guaranteed. G1 in the bank. 
<laughs> but no, like if I was to recommend matches for Money in Bank, then it would probably be the first one for sure. WrestleMania twenty four, uh, yeah. where Punk won. Um, as well. Yeah, as... if I had if I had to recommend a Money in the Bank match, personally, mine would probably go to the WrestleMania twenty five. Yeah, was, yeah, that one as well. It is great. an absolute like chaotic mess of craziness, but it just works. And God, did Kofi get himself over in that mania? <laughs> Kofi and Shelton Benjamin oh, got so over. Crumbs. As if Shelton Benjamin wasn't over already, but like... <laughs> very... Bless up the gold standard. <laughs> very, very true. So, if the good comes to bad, and we go over to our first bad uh, selection of uh, worst gimmick matches... Um... I'll start, and I'm gonna start with. Um... Oh man, there are so many that I uh, that I uh, that I have researched. And funnily enough, I was also the editor on the What Culture video for the ten worst hardcore matches in wrestling. So I do have kind of sort of experience in researching bad matches. Um, but the one I have to choose, the first one I have to choose, has to be the Kennel from Hell match from Unforgiven. 1999. So, context. Please explain. <laughs> as my ca- catchphrase goes. For context, the ro- there was a rivalry for the hardcore championship between Al Snow and the Big Boss Man. Um, and I believe it was during one Raw um, in the build-up to it. Big Boss Man kidnaps Al Snow's dog, Pepper, a chihuahua. This adorable <laughs> little thing. And on the following Smackdown, they, Big Boss Man offers an apology and uh, says that he'll give Pepper back to Al if he meets him in his hotel. So he does. Gives him... Uh, so Big Boss Man meets with Al Snow in the hotel room. Gives him a, a lavish three-course meal of a steak with potatoes and all the trimmings. And it as Al Snow is eating that steak, the Big Boss Man gives a revelation that the steak was actually Pepper and he's been eating his dog all along. <laughs> <laughs> Ash Judy era, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Um, let's not forget. <laughs> but dear God, so this sets up a Kennel from Hell match for Unforgiven. So basically, the Kennel from Hell, to describe it, is a cage around the ring with a Hell in a Cell on top of it. And at the bottom, surrounding the cell and the ring, are rabid dogs. Big finger quotes for rabbits. Right, now, let me say... It's just kind of there vibing. It was a six-minute shit show involving the dogs with their owners, may I add, and their trainers holding them on leashes where the dogs were laying down, humping each other, and shitting on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And basically, it it was an absolute... It was an absolute shit show... WWE have tried their absolute best never to ever mention the Kennel from Hell match ever again. But I think the visual of a cage uh, on top of a cell is interesting enough, but it doesn't sell the match at all. Like, I think when people heard rabid dogs, they expect them to kind of go after them if they ever fell into that part. But no, no, just... I think the thing about it, though, is it's kind of redundant. (laughs) It really freaking is. Because, like, let's be real. How are they ever going to get to that point? (laughs) (laughs) Like, 
they're gonna have to, okay either they're gonna have to get through the door which by the way has a padlock on it mm-hmm. and correct me if i'm wrong but they couldn't climb out the top could they no <laughs> so what's the point <laughs> just have a sealed cage match <laughs> i just Sealed cage match, by the way, is just a cage match with a ceiling on it, because normally a cage match, the aim is to escape out the top, for anyone who doesn't know. Basically, the, the what the hell in the cell looked like in WWF SmackDown 2 on the PS1. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, so basically, you just have a bunch of dogs there, and dog handlers, they're just there for no reason. <laughs> they're yeah. just there. It's again for the visual and the audio of dogs barking. That instead of barking, oh, they did a lot more than just barking. They were, yes, there were visuals that they caught of dogs humping each other. So that was kind of that's that's how you know that this was going to be bad from the start. <laughs> but no, just it's a dunderheaded decision at a time where they were just. I think they were just throwing dunderheaded decision and finding the one that stuck the most in the Attitude Era. So it, it's pretty kind much of, that's it's par pretty for the accurate. Course. It's par for the course for the Attitude Era. I mean, this is the same year they had the Good Housekeeping match at uh, that 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 made Jeff Jarrett a ton of money. <laughs> I don't care. That's still the bit the the Good Housekeeping match is the biggest steal in WWE history. <laughs> hey, Jeff Jarrett, great businessman. Anyhow, we'll move can't, it over. Look, I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, on the basis of that decision, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Ruzan, you're first in these worst gimmick matches. My worst... I I have a few. I have a few. But the first one that comes to mind for me is Inferno matches. Oh. <laughs> He's not wrong. Because they just don't work. They never work. They never will work. Because it's literally too dangerous. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, right? The visual of it and the concept sound great, if a bit kind of like fantasy esque. If you have to, it's kind of like a D and D campaign uh, <laughs> to come win. to life. You need to roll. It's the just dis- like, yes, literally throw your opponent into fire. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the if you meet like the astral dreadnought or the eye of the beholder in the final uh, the final battle of a D and D campaign, but I just I can understand the context of it given to Undertaker and Kane if because if I remember correctly because like that for was the Kane first... yeah for Kane it like makes sense, but like I I you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out my phrase here. Awesome in theory, kind of a mess in practice. <laughs> absolute mess in practice because <laughs> if i remember correctly in that very <clears throat> first inferno match uh, undertaker won now people were expecting when you had to throw them in the fire that they would be encased or just in- engulfed in flames yeah now if i remember correctly kane's arm was the only thing that was on fire and he was just like he was yes. waving it about like oh my god what do i do with this appendage <clears throat> just like oh my arm's on fire better put it out because i don't want to get burned again <laughs> yeah <laughs> little kane's kane backstory joke there <laughs> but no like even like um the, the ring of fire match with bray Wyatt versus kane 
I just don't think was a very good <clears throat> debut pay-per-view match to have. Because remember, that was Bray Wyatt's debut pay-per-view. I think I think just the thing about it is just that you know there's there's the idea and the intent in place, but like you're never actually gonna be able to get anything out of it because yeah. like I said, you can't just set someone on fire. Yeah, I, although I, I if um the whole cinematic wrestling becomes bigger, there I could see it becoming That's true. big because you can literally just like okay cut down someone in the lit and just chuck them and then it would be awesome but as it stands now it's never worked it's literally for obvious reasons right it's too it's too also can i just say this i want i want to know like imagine they had like an inferno match but it wasn't the main event what do you reckon the rings like afterwards oh my god that's a good point i can't imagine what it must be like front row uh, yeah, because like because that. like, because I think on one of the pay per views they did one. It was like, it it may have been like they may have had like, well, they were saying like two main events and one underneath it. And I think the one underneath it was an inferno match. But imagine doing just like a normal match afterwards. Yeah. Like, what would the ring be like? What, what are the ropes it, gonna be like? What would it smell like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh. You know when you you know when you've got got like a barbecue and you got a gas barbecue and you've left it on for like too long after you finish cooking. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. just that smell of like natural gas just burning off. It sounds like a, it smells like a three day old <clears throat> tailgate party is what you're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so no, that's my bond for the worst. It's um, <clears throat> but you were just reminded me of something before we move on. That uh, a cinematic inferno match isn't that kind of like the Ring of Fire match from Def Jam Fight for New York? Um, Raw Underground confirmed inferno matches. <laughs> there you go, done. Def Jam uh, fighting game now, please. Look, listen, yeah, you know what? Actually, this is now just a Def Jam Fight for New York um, podcast. <laughs> we want it back. We want it back. Give me what I want, and not Def Jam Icon, Dad. Okay, so as I as I said, I love a ladder match. Oh yeah, I love anything basically working around ladder match. Simple idea: climb the ladder, get the item, and then you know you win. You've got the thing that's hanging above the ring. All good. Now, what if you took that? and made it unnecessarily complicated like how I said would be a bad match well then you get the king of the mountain from TNA (laughs) (laughs) so strap yourselves in and if you haven't watched our previous episode we're going to re-explain the king of the mountain match (laughs) so you have X number of people I believe in the first one it was five it may be five or six people. Mm. Two people start in the ring, and more people are continually added in to the mix <clears throat> uh, at certain intervals. Now, when you're in the ring, so, okay, well, I should say, uh, when you're there, you 
are not eligible to win until you pin or pin or make someone else submit. This is an important point. <laughs> so, you pin someone or you get a submission and you become eligible. Now what you have to do is you have to get a ladder and you have to go to the official, the referee, to get the belt. You then have to climb up the ladder and then attach the belt to the hook above the ring. <laughs> and let's not forget, let us not forget, Dad, with now, the person take the person who took the pin, what happens to yes. them? Okay, so uh, for anyone here that has played uh, ice hockey or um, anyone who's played uh, possibly rugby either, uh, you have in rugby called the sim bin, but in ice hockey it's called the penalty box. Now, if you get pinned or submitted, you have to spend two minutes in the penalty box where you cannot win. You're just literally stood there watching other people come close to winning. <laughs> now, if this and isn't so... Vin... <laughs> if this really isn't Vince Russo booking a match, I don't know what is. So, let's just break this down. You have to, first of all, wait to get into the ring. Once you get into the ring, you have to pin someone. Once you pin someone, you have to then get a ladder. You have to put the ladder up in the ring. Then you have to go out to the official and get the belt from the official and try and hook it up that's, above the ring on a hook. That's five to six rules that the audience have got to remember watching this match. <laughs> yeah. When it comes Just... to gimmick matches, simplicity is key. <laughs> It really it's, is. It's, it's just about having having a clear objective. Because a ladder match works because, well, how do I get that thing that's above the ring? Oh, I get a ladder and climb up it and pull it down. That makes sense. But putting the belt on the hook above the ring, <laughs> I don't then, get. Yeah, and then you have to like take it down again because you've won it. Because... But once you put it up there, you win, which means you get the belt. <laughs> it's just, you know, with this, it, it's like people say you're reinventing the wheel. Yeah. You're making things unnecessarily complicated and you're just doing the opposite for the sake of doing the opposite. It does nothing to improve it. Um, I think they only did this match type a few times. Yeah. For good reason. <laughs> only um, during Bound and, for Glory. <laughs> yeah, and just like so much of it is just a complete mess to try and follow. <laughs> like uh... I'm not surprised that they just got rid of it as quickly as they could. <laughs> <laughs> but mind you, this is the same company that came up with Ultimate X, so you know, two out of three ain't bad, as Meat Life says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it's just. There's no way. There's no other way to really describe it other than just like it is just. It's a convoluted, uh, an unnecessary, match. unnecessarily complicated. <laughs> which for gimmick matches is bad. It, it no, uh, honestly, bad. <laughs> so let us let us let us let us go back. Bring to us it. back to the good. Bring us back to, to purity. Good. A palate cleanser, as it were. So, uh, for me, uh, the second one that I really enjoy. Uh, that was rarely done, and and I think for very good reason as well. 
is the uh, is the Lions Den match <clears throat> from back in the Attitude Era days. Dude, we we were here before this and saying like how much we love the Lions Den match, <laughs> and also it gives me an excuse to talk about both Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, but it's just so good. It, so the way it is set up is it's a very it is an octagonal uh, an octagonal uh, ring. That's very low down onto the ground. Actually, I don't think there's even much like elevation off of the ground from it. I and think the bigger thing about it is it's very tightly packed. <laughs> very tightly packed, and it kind of cones out with uh, with um, a chain link fencing and a gangway for the referees to stand on. And so this was created off as a grudge match for Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock's rivalry, which started when Owen Hart broke um, Ken Shamrock's foot and joined the nation. And building up to this, Ken and Owen had had a fight, or a match, I should say, called the Stu Hart Dungeon Match, where they took had a match in the dungeon, in the Hart Dungeon. Um, The amazing visual seeing Owen Hart grabbing one of the pipes from the ceiling and and swinging himself, just like Harun Karana, Ken Shamrock, and then (laughs) taking one of the Hart family dumbbells and and twatting Shamrock over the head with it. <laughs> but no, this it all sets up then for SummerSlam 1999. No, 98, I should say. My apologies. Um, taking place in Madison Square Garden, uh, in the theatre part of Madison Square Garden, which is underneath mm-hmm. the the arena, which is again, which is a great visual for this match, um, having oh, yeah. like a, like a few thousand people in the theatre part, uh, and then seeing the cage front and centre. Um, and this, and I, I, the reason I bring this match up is I think it's the first and the greatest example of this Lions Den match. So these two just know how to technically wrestle each other incredibly well, but also breed that cross that hybrid of shoot fighting and wrestling so well. Like you get the guys like grappling up and taking down and punching each other, but they also use that cage really effectively. So they Irish whip each other into the cage and rather than bouncing off it, they, they smack into it and then they just stumble to each, to the opponent as well as Ken Shamrock jumping off of it and kind of having like swinging mm-hmm. kicks and like elbow, like flying elbows. Dude, he came out with the showtime kick as well. Yeah, he did. He did. As for well reference as, uh... for those that don't know the showtime kick is where you uh it's a mixed martial arts thing where you kind of push yourself off off the cage and do a kick it's an amazing it was amazing when i first saw that uh it's also the or- uh that same move inspired the superman punch indeed oh i did not know that indeed it did um it initially used to be done by pushing off the cage and then people were like oh wait i can just do it while i'm standing <laughs> indeed um but yes uh i love the the, the ending of the match it was amazing where you see Ken Shamrock being put in the dragon sleeper, standing dragon sleeper, and then walks up and backflips off of the cage, out of the dragon sleeper, and then into the ankle lock uh, for the win. Um, you can definitely tell this was a gimmick match that was built for Ken Shamrock, because subsequently oh, yeah, we have matches I... with Steve Blackman and Vince McMahon, funnily enough, we have one against. Yeah. Um. And I'm glad, and that's why I say I'm glad it didn't outstay its welcome and there was only a few matches, 
is because I think if it, there were so many more of those matches that Ken had, I think it would have outstayed its welcome, and it would have come very like, oh, not none of these ones again. <clears throat> well, I I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with people having like a signature match style, mm. but I think I think if the you know if they kept, I mean, to be fair, if, a if they used Ken Shamrock, a more b. Mm better but i understand the context of the time that they were in they really were stuck because there were so many people that were better and much bigger draws than ken shamrock <laughs> and given the fact as well when you really think about it this was at the time of the attitude era they had just done the brawl for all and and you would have thought in a million years that oh god they're doing shoot fighting again this is going to be terrible but the fact that it, at that t- they did it at that time after what had just happened and the fact that it still holds up that, well, at least the Owen Hart match still holds up as, as a great, great concept and a great gimmick match shows how good it is. No, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic match. And, you know, when you have, you know, like I, I would, I mean, I would have loved if they'd given like Ken Shamrock a much more intensive, you know, main event style push and you know just getting there and like you know the feud has gone on for so long there's someone that's like technically matching him i think that's why it works so well as well for steve blackman because mm. you know they came from the same background um i'm of, glad like, that they know... uh, introduced weapons as well uh like the mm. kendo stick in that uh in that match anyway in the steve blackman one <laughs> but it's like they, they had the people who were you know technically able both very well versed in shoot fighting styles and just having the two there just like go at it mm. was fantastic it's a shame that we never got to see the ken shamrock dan seven lions den match that i think a lot i would have would have liked to see loved that i mean to be fair that's a thing we could talk about as well dan seven. Oh man dan seven <laughs> we, we oh man I again talking about what culture I did a video on Dan Seven actually and it made me have a ton more respect on the guy so especially in his wrestling background oh his pro wrestling background as well so but no that'll definitely be one that we'll talk about in the future for sure um Dan Seven for Raw Underground that's oh my god yes um excuse me what you said that Mind you, though, you should have seen him when he faced Frank Mir in Bloodsport 2. And I think the man's aged. The man's aged, and I think his age has caught up with him. But apart from that, <laughs> I will say that, Dan, please don't hurt me. You're an incredible fighter. One of the most influential mixed martial artists in the world. Please don't hurt What's me. What's that, Steve Blackman for Raw Underground? <laughs> uh, Reardon, quickly, your second favourite gimmick. Match. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, so thinking about, like, properly gimmicky matches like proper gimmicky matches and speaking of matches that are specific to characters there's only one match that i think of that i genuinely absolutely adore even though it shouldn't work and thinking about it if what he's saying is the truth we might never see it again and that is the buried alive match yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. The, Interesting. The, the Undertaker's signature match. <laughs> and it sounds like what it is. The only way to... Well, actually, it's funny. 
when we say buried alive match, but technically it's more. Well, it's like we'll say buried alive slash casket match. Well, I was gonna say because like, there's the casket match, which is you put your opponent into a casket slash coffin if you're British. Yeah. Um, and like you just have to put them in it and close it, and then that's it. In the buried alive matches, you have to do the same, but it's in a hole in the ground, and then you have to man a loader and then yeah. drop dirt. May, over may, it. I, may I add that gr that ground is an elevated mound of dirt in the arena as well. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is so yeah. random. Yeah, it is such a like when we say it out loud, it sounds like the most ridiculous complex <clears throat> it's, match. It, it's much like The Undertaker himself as a character. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it... ridiculous, but we kind of love it. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it it's kind works. of it's kind of come from like the suspension of disbelief. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's such a it's I mean it's certainly unique. And honestly, I would argue that there have been more good buried alive matches than bad, strangely enough. That's pretty fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always very distinctly remember the Kane versus Undertaker one. Yes, I, I mean that's kind of what it was built for. But and, and you know what the funny thing is is like you would think that the Undertaker would <laughs> win every single casket buried alive match. He doesn't but have a great track it, record, does he? <laughs> he doesn't. No. I think he actually has a he's a lost more than record. he won. Yeah, I think he actually has a losing record. <laughs> Which is such a fascinating idea. It reminds me a lot as well. Uh, one that springs to mind for sure is a uh, is Undertaker versus Vince McMahon in two thousand and three, where Kane interferes in that match and gets him buried alive, and that's how he transitioned from uh, American Badass back to Dead Man Taker. Yeah. Um, yes. But again, it's still pretty. It's, it's it goes. It just shows to me. It's just like yeah, man, you're you're a terrible. You're terrible at these sorts of stipulations, aren't you, Taker? Yeah. I don't yeah. know why, but something about hearing the concept of the Undertaker versus Vince McMahon in a, in a buried alive match, which causes Undertaker to revert his um his gimmick. Yeah. But... I don't know what's making me laugh about that. But something is. Yeah. <sighs> but and. But I was thinking about it in terms of gimmick matches, and if The Undertaker is truly, honest to God, retired for the very, very honest to God time, then there aren't many characters, if any character, that would take, would have an excuse to use a buried alive match. Yeah. It's kind of almost symbolic, that Barnyard match, when you think about it now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Although, the only one where I could see it happening is, honestly, it's either Alistair Black, of which it will be called the um, the left-hand path match, <laughs> or, or Bray Wyatt. And even Bray Wyatt, even for a character like that, it's a stretch yeah. for him to have a, a casket I, match. I can't see Bray doing a buried alive match. Yeah. So, and just thinking about it, it made me go, wow... That might be it. Yeah. Damn. 
Yeah, I know, right? Ed's a good, Ed, one of your favourites on a somber note there, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm kind of hurting now. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in my feelings. <laughs> d d Dad, Dad, try and cheer yourself up. Talk about cheer your. Up, talk All right, about well, I am going to try. I'm going to try and cheer myself up, and I'm going to mention two here, and they're pretty separate from each other. But one of them's kind of a tag on to what you said. So when we spoke about the Lions Den, I did want to mention the NXT Fight Pit. Oh, a great, right. a great evolution of, of the Lions Den for sure. Just because you have two people in Matt Riddle and uh, Timothy Thatcher, who both work in that same technical aspect and both come from uh, shoot backgrounds. If that is the, if that's going to be the signature match of Timothy Thatcher. I say, oh, I'm all in for, for that. I'm all in for that. I, I, I mean, it just works so well for them. It works well for their styles because it's literally just ring floor, cage, like gangway on top. Mm. <laughs> that's it. That's all that's there. There's a referee in there. There's a referee outside. <laughs> like, that's it. And everything is permitted. Yep. Mm. And for someone like having Timothy Thatcher in it, just going to town on it to the point of like it just teeth it out just looks so brutal and I'm, it's just so good like <laughs> there's so much intensity and i feel like it is kind of like the natural evolution of the lion's den match absolutely and it's so great just to see the people working in it and just how i mean the, the reception to it was fantastic people loved it and obviously, you do need a specific kind of person. But could you imagine Timothy Thatcher versus like Karrion Cross in a fight pit? I want to see that match in a fight pit. <laughs> like, you know, I am again trying to think of like people that are kind of similar to Thatcher in style that might favor it. But I'm thinking I mean, like Karrion Cross would be I'd like amazing. to see Gulak maybe in that match as well. That would be Gulak Thatcher fight pit. Make it happen. <laughs> but. The one that I do want to mention is also another one that's become a semi-regular feature of NXT now. War Games. Hey. Okay, this is where I get my creds thrown at me. I don't like War Games. I've never understood it. Okay, well I'm going to make you Pokedex it now. I don't know! I've never, I've tried, I've honest to God, attempted All right. to, to learn how War Games works and I've never understood it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. War games functions like this. You have two rings side by side with a section of metal walkway in the middle surrounded by cage. And then you have two teams of four. Two people start the match and then more people gradually filter in <clears throat> as time goes. And then by the end, you've got eight or ten people in this set of two rings side by side surrounded by steel cage and i love it because it is pure chaotic mess now think of it this way um remember that the elimination chamber was wwe's answer to the, uh, to war games when triple h was campaigning hard to have war games become a thing in wwe back in 2002 yep so it's kind of like a tag team version of Elimination Chamber, and I think what really sells it is the visual of two rings put together, surrounded by a cage or cell back in the day for the there's, there's just 
there's just so much that can be done with it, and I'm just gonna say the NXT iterations have been fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they've been so so good. I think the visual and... of Keith Lee jumping <clears throat> off the cage will always be forever ingrained in my mind with the NXT in, uh, in, uh, incar- <clears throat> um, uh, incarnation of War Games. I think the one, I think the one for the NXT uh, incarnation that I remember so most was. Um... <clears throat> the one that had Eric and Ivar. Oh, crumbs, yeah. Uh, and I believe Ricochet was also in that one as well. Yes, he did the double moonsault. He did the double moonsault. <clears throat> and, like, it was so, so good. And then you get stuff, like, where in some iterations they bring tables in. <laughs> um, and it is basically just, you know, 4v4 or 5v5, just chaos happening. In this set of two, in this set of two rings surrounded by cage. Um, I'm glad as well that WWE or NXT, I should say, did did have the wherewithal to go. You know what? Let's make a women's version. And not only did they oh, do yeah. that, but they knocked that yeah. the, the, all or every performer knocks it out of the park of how good that War Games was. Should be a thing to say actually. Now you've mentioned it, the the gimmick match against the women's division is actually kind of light. Hmm. <laughs> They occasionally get like an extreme rules match. But of course, there was the Hell in the Cell match between Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. Yep. Um, it's just making me realize how kind of irregular a thing it is. <laughs> but table, yeah. ma- I've always found to be table matches in women's matches quite violent, more violent than men, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Because, cause, cause... <clears throat> well, to be fair, I think I think recent WWE has been marred by the fact that half their tables matches end because like someone falls over. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. That kind of seems to be the recurring finish. <laughs> and I'm glad we brought like a good talk and chatting about this, and we've brought it to a slight of bad because now we go finally to our final pick for our worst gimmick matches. Um, oh man, this one I'm gonna have to really, really describe to you too. So I'm going oh, to God. mention the Chamber of Horrors match. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Alright, so it is Halloween Havoc 1991. We have the team of El Gigante, also known as Giant Gonzalez, Sting, oh my God. and the Steiner Brothers versus Abdullah the Butcher, the Diamond Stud, also known as Scott Hall, Cactus Jack, and Big Van Vader. This was the first. Oh, is Vader? Yes, this was the first match, may I, or the opening match to Halloween Havoc 1991. Now, the aim oh. of the the aim of the match. Oh God, really, this is going to be such a hard one to explain to you. So, oh. <laughs> now they are surrounded in a cage that kind of looks like a Dutch oven. I'm not going to lie, um, because <laughs> it kind of like there's a cone on top of it, and it kind of looks like it's set. With electricity. Oh, well, we'll get onto the electric part in a moment. So Wait, you, uh, what? Oh, no, we'll get to the electric part in a moment. Because oh, here we go. now the aim of the match is to either win via pinfall submission or bring down the electric chair that is hanging from the middle of the cage, strap your opponent into it, and then flip the switch to electrocute them. Now, El Gigante, Sting, and the Steiner Brothers won. By putting Abdullah the Butcher into the chair and electrocuting him, killing him, pretty much. 
Alright, now can we just back up a second here? <laughs> okay, so when you say killing him... Basically, they made it out to look like Abdullah the Butcher was dead because the lights flickered, smoke was billowing out of the chair, and Abdullah the Butcher was Abdullah convulsing the and then... Abdullah dead. Yeah. Right. And Abdullah the Butcher was covered in blood, convulsing here and there, and looked dead. They killed a man on pay-per-view. Sting killed a man on pay-per-view. I mean, in a sense, for for Sting's gimmick at the time, I'm almost like not surprised. But also, can we just roll back a second here? <laughs> <laughs> there's a steel cage, which looks like it has a cone on top, and there's an electric chair just hanging halfway above the ring. This is WCW, my I add, as well. This was peak. I don't know what gave me that impression. <laughs> this was peak. Peak. Awful WCW booking at the time. There's a reason why Ric Flair went to WWF shortly after all of this. Actually, yeah, no, like... during this, actually. It was 91. Yeah, Ric Flair was in WWF at this time. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to think of this. Hmm? Because yeah, I got nothing. Because this is Halloween <laughs> Havoc and they need a gimmick to make it look scary and very Halloween like. So, what's better than that? An electric chair. <laughs> got it. A fucking electric chair. What? All I'm saying is look at the visual of Abdullah the Butcher in the chair afterwards, covered in blood. I don't want to. <laughs> like, slightly de looking dead as the spokes billowing off of the chair. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it would only get worse from here. This would be at the time that Sting would end up tagging with Robocop. Let's not forget that. See, now, I, I always live in remembrance of that fact. <laughs> and the whole Red Scorpion thing, which weren't, wasn't supposed to be Ric Flair, but ended up being Ric Flair. And the Black Scorpion ended up doing his <laughs> yep. entrance in a spaceship. <laughs> a spaceship. <laughs> Man, you really gave me the you really gave me the impression it could have been anyone other than WCW who did that. <laughs> and thus I'm so glad I brought it up because I just genuinely love the audible no, no, the inaudible confusion and silence from you two. <laughs> right, quickly moving on to Renan and his second worst gimmick match. Alright, my second worst is actually a simple one, which is um Lumberjack or Lumberjill matches? <laughs> oh, you mean a normal match with just occasional random people around the outside? Oh, God, I just... Oh, man. I agree with you, mostly because I remember the original ruling being that if someone gets thrown out, you need to throw them back in. Now it's become a case of we have a heel and and like face side of Lumberjacks, and they just wallop yeah. the shit out of them. <clears throat> it's literally just like... It's because like the premise is like you have two people in the ring, and then if they go out that ring, you're meant to like throw them back in. But now it just turns into like, oh, the face has got all his buddies around the ring. Now the heel gets thrown out, they beat the crap out of him. It's just such a, it's a real like, ah, uh, it's a real clusterfuck. It always <laughs> is. It's never, and yep. you know what? But and like the worst part is like. It always kind of breaks my heart that it's a bit of a clusterfuck. Mm. I will also I say this: can... um, one part of the original one original part of the stipulation that gets left out is that the people used to have to come to the ring wearing flannel. 
Oh yeah! Oh crumbs. You're yeah. right, I remember that! That yeah, was one of the original things, right. when he either had a lumberjack match, he had to come to the ring wearing flannel. <laughs> Hence why like... Mick Foley wears flannel all the time. My god, so every every match is a lumberjack match if you're fighting Mick Foley. This is some bold, bold information. But no, I've always kind of like... Lumber Cactus Jack. Oh my god! Bang, bang. Bang, bang, indeed. But no, I've always just, they're just always a mess. And the worst part is, like, there's a very simple solution. You make it strictly, like, matches for stables. Mm. Like, if it was just, like, for instance... <laughs> but no, it's like, if it was simply... Like, for instance, the New Day versus the... Um, Mark, you're being recorded. I know. And just have those guys, because it's quite simple. That would be alright. But instead, they invite the entirety of the locker room. And it's always the entirety of the locker room. Yeah. May I suggest a, another option for if you're thinking about having a lumberjack match? Yeah, sure. Have a steel cage match instead. Yeah. <laughs> Solution. Problem solved. We can all go you home. You know what? That. You know what? You know what? I got nothing. Move on to Dan, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm continuing my theme, and I am just going to give a brief uh, shout out. Uh, my honourable mention for a bad match. I mentioned it at the start, but we mentioned uh, WCW <laughs> and a certain Mr. Vincent Russo. Uh, and yeah, I have to mention the X on a pole match. <laughs> every single variation. There's the, every variation of the on a pole match going everywhere from Viagra to Judy Bagwell. <laughs> Let's. I'm just going to give a brief overview of the X on a pole match. Basically, there's an item that you want to win. Uh, and to get that, it's on a pole on one of the corners of the ring, and you just have to get it. Although yeah. it is normally never that simple, uh, because I mean the the one I do remember, which was the, I believe it was the Viagra on a pole match. It was that she just there on on a pole in one corner of the ring. Yep. You had to get it. <laughs> uh, yep. Then there was the one with Booker T and. Uh, Jeff Jarrett? Yes. Where it, there were four boxes suspended around the ring and loads of them had like stupid ass items in it and one of them had the championship. Yes. Uh, if I remember rightly, when Booker T picked up the box that had the championship in it, the box collapsed uh, the and the bottom of the, fell the out. Bottom, the bottom panel of the box fell off and the, and the ring announcer had to pass him over the belt. Um... <laughs> The only one I do want to give a brief shout out to is the as allusion to Judy Bagwell on a pole, you know, where the wrestler Buff Bagwell had his mother put up as a stake in the match, but because they couldn't put her on an actual pole, she actually stood at the end of a pallet on a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, to win, you had to get the keys to the forklift off a pole, yep. and then pilot the forklift to bring it down. <laughs> to bring the fucking end down um, uh -huh. but it was just it was just a mess uh 
when Vince Russo got rehired by TNA, as we mentioned in our TNA episode, he brought it over to there, and it failed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's just an awful concept. But speaking of awful concepts, and speaking of TNA, uh, we get to my uh, my second least favorite of the match types. Now, as I said, my my bad aspect of a gimmick match is when things are too complicated. Yeah. So I introduce to you the Dixieland match. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> I like that before recording, now, I completely forgot that this match existed. Um, and you're bringing up repressed memories. I'll be right honest. Now. I'll be honest. I was just trying to think of really bad matches and i remembered what was that one where it was like a ladder match but it had more steps and it brought me to king of the mountain but then when researching king of the mountain this came up please enlighten us all on what the dixie land match is okay the dixie the dixie match following on from tna's habit of making ladder matches unnecessarily complicated it works like this the start of the match is a cage match. Mm. Two wrestlers in a steel cage fighting each other got to escape the cage. But you don't win by escaping the cage. Mm. To win, you have to get to the entrance ramp, put up a ladder, climb the ladder, and get the belt. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell why they only did it once? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. No, not really. No, yeah, I can actually see every reason. Um, <laughs> and, like I said, it's just unnecessarily complicated. Uh, if you want to know the results of it at F- Impact Wrestling Final Resolution, Magnus beat Jeff Hardy to become TNA World Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> but, like I said, it's just it's just unnecessarily complicated. Have a steel cage match or have a ladder match. Don't combine the two. <laughs> and just I love how gas. I love fr- I love fried chicken. I love custard. I'm not gonna throw the two together. <laughs> like it's just it makes no sense to me because most of the people are like, oh yeah, you're having a steel cage match. Okay, cool. He's won the title. Or oh, you're having a ladder match. You've won the title. And like, but together, like. Surely by the time you've escaped the cage, you've won <laughs> because the other person has to get out the cage to chase you. Not not even mentioning how gassed you've got to be after having a match, then then having yeah. a single engineer climbing a cage, and then having to run up the entrance way. And then put up a ladder and climb the ladder and get the belt off. Oh god. I mean, against the context of things Dixie Carter has put her name on, I can't imagine this ranks very highly. Uh... I think it's the perfect thing for Dixie Carter to put her name on, frankly. <laughs> and, uh... I wasn't going to say that, but it came close. <laughs> but it's it's just like a horrific mess of a thing. You you know, they said it's two good things put together nonsensically. Mm. <laughs> like, I won't lie. I'm trying to think of the context where it might work, and I'm thinking of like a steel cage match, but you also had like a ladder in the cage. <laughs> that would probably still not work, but <laughs> yeah, most likely. <laughs> like, you know, it's just this confusing 
combination of two things that don't need to be together, they don't have any place being together, and they don't have any connection to each other. You just end up with these two separate phases that just kind of exist. Indeed. It's uh, it's peculiar at best. <laughs> uh, for sure. And with that, and with that concludes this episode. I think we can come to the conclusion that there are good gimmick matches, there are bad gimmick matches, but for some bizarre reason, we still keep watching wrestling. For our sins. For our sins, I'm still watching WWE Weekly. <laughs> uh, and I still watch old school WCW, so I only have myself to blame. So, why? Because I am a glutton for punishment, Reardon. Uh, <laughs> Me going back and watching the Shockmaster debut on repeat 40 times. He followed his fucking ass. Right, next episode. <laughs> Dan, what have we got coming up? Next episode is... If I can get back to that page. please. <laughs> next episode is... A retrospective on Edge. Oh. oh, we're going to be looking forward to that. Me doing my That's... best Tony Chimmel impression for the intro. Oh, now I said it on recording, I've got to hog myself to that. Um, oh, God. It's just going to be me talking about Christian, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> just your, your, back, your back door Christian episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do my Todd Grisham impression of it. It's Christian. <laughs> it's Christian. <laughs> Even that was probably a bit too much energy. Yeah, I was gonna say. And with that concludes this episode. Uh, a fun one, and, and, and one of ups Very and downs fun. and peaks and troughs. But I look forward to next week's episode for sure. But until then, I've been Sam. This has been Dan and Ridden, and you've been listening to the Sweet Shinwag Podcast. Until next time. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Watch Jeff Hardy at Armageddon Triple Threat. <laughs> <laughs>